The premise is intriguing, but it's placed in the service of an overwrought and tasteless thriller. To which I say, what fucking movie were you watching? <laughs> uh, which, which parts of that thesis do you disagree with? I agree with the premise is intriguing. Yep, correct. I agree that... Um, no, I don't agree with anything else. I think it's a fucking bullshit critics consensus. I really, really still like this movie a lot. I do as well. Okay, good. Okay. I've seen this movie many times. I've rewatched it recently. I think I mentioned this when you, when you dropped the teaser last week. Yeah, I, 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 still, I still like it. I enjoyed watching it this evening. You know, we'll get, we'll get some, some nits and some other things, but I think, uh, yeah, I think this might be one we're on the same side again. I think so, too. I think we're going to have, like a, like, a winning streak now of, like, four consecutive weeks where we didn't have an issue with each other. Crazy. That's good. That is called a winning streak. That is, as, as uh, our man Lou would say from Major League Two a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, um, I think it's just worth mentioning that before we might have, we should have probably just done this on the show, but we just watched the alternate ending, uh, which I think we should talk about a little bit later on. We will. This is an anomaly for me because the critics, if you read the reviews, they hate this movie. Like, it's not just like a bunch of 2.5s or anything like that. It's like, this is like scathing shit. And the audience score is an 81. Yeah. Um. So so give like they just hate it. Why? Because because Kutcher is it's his first foray into the dramatic acting world. What's what's their what's their general beef with the uh with the well, like the the first page on Rotten Tomatoes just to give you a few one ouch 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 so very bad not one second of this bile makes a lick of sense lobotomized entertainment that's dark violent and hilariously dumb. Nothing can save this repetitive bore. Dude, where's your memory? <laughs> I just read that one. That's kind of funny. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't know, man. Like I saw So I think a recurring theme on this podcast has been my personal experience in a Staten Island movie theater. And I had a great experience in the Staten Island movie theater. This Whoa, time. that's new. Yeah, this is, this is rare. This is absolutely rare. Um, but it also comes with, it was a fucking great movie i don't know i still think that this is a great movie i think it's Am a really I good stupid movie. <laughs> like, no, I, I don't i don't know if it's a great movie i really like the movie great yeah. is, is is maybe a a stretch too far okay. um, so it's it's funny i like things i didn't know and and you know want us to find out as we like do our research here this movie was was directed by the two gentlemen or two people i don't know i don't know if with jay mackie gruber anyway the two, two people who uh, wrote Final Destination 2, a cinematic masterpiece in itself. <laughs> Which all of the Final Destinations movie qualify for this show. No way. Absolutely, they do. I, Even I the first one. I cannot believe that. I added the first one to the list a couple of weeks ago. I like those movies. I do I, too. I'm always entertained by seeing what creative ways to murder people they come up with. Yeah, well, so the guy, uh, one of the directors, Eric Bess... He directed, a, he, he, his first feature since this, he hasn't directed a feature since this movie and it's called like Ghost War or something like that. It got really bad reviews, but it's sort of like a supernatural, like old timey war movie. But these two guys didn't really, outside of like writing the Final Destination, those couple of Final Destination movies, really haven't done much since. 
which is kind of weird because this is a solidly directed movie. Yeah. They had some talent, for sure. They, they definitely did. Our, our stars, Ashton Kutcher and Amy Smart. Little Eric Stoltz action thrown in the mix. Some smaller roles by, by um, people who tie to different points of our childhood. We've got the guy who played Fulton in The Mighty Ducks. Yes. Um, plays Lenny in this movie, Eldon Henson. And also uh, the guy from Boy Meets World, uh, Ethan Suplee, who has now remade himself as just like a man made out of granite and works out and just like eats bricks all day at, at maybe the, the peak of his size. At the peak of his size too. And I didn't realize, I forgot that he was in this movie, but this is like four or five years removed from American History X. Oh, he has so, yeah. a fucking turn in that movie. And it's funny, like in that movie, he's probably like in his mid twenties in 1999. And then mm-hmm. he does this movie as a college student. I have issues. I have some issues with like the liberties in which all of these people, like their ages and stuff. I guess starting with Amy Smart, like I think that Amy Smart was 18 years old for about a decade's worth of movies that we love. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> as as Jamie Palomino in uh in Just Friends, great role. Yes, man. Also on the list. Is it really? Absolutely. Yeah. That's criminal. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm happy to I'm happy to rewatch it, but that is that is criminal. Maybe we'll yeah. do that around uh, we'll do that around Christmas time because I was a, saving uh, it for Christmas. Yeah, yeah, man, that is criminal. Melora Walters, I just rewatched Magnolia, and she have you seen Magnolia recently? I've I've not. I've not seen have it. Have you at ever all. seen it? No. Oh wow. Okay. Well, for the Magnolia fans out there, she plays she plays the the cocaine girl who has the thing with John C. Riley. And in that movie, it's a three-hour movie, and she dials it up to a 200, just doing blow and crying and screaming the whole time. This is the first thing that I've seen her in where she's, like, subdued, and I couldn't believe it was the same actor. But also, she's, like, five years older than Ashton Kutcher and is playing his fucking mom in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, I get it. It's, like, a time travel thing, but they don't really put a lot of effort in and making her look a little older for any of this. No, not seasons. until not until she's dying. No, yeah, and then she turns into, like, a 90-year-old woman. Yeah. Um, but other than that, just, like, she's, like, a 33-year-old fucking, like, the whole, every single timeline. It's very funny. All right, so some quick facts. I don't. I feel like we do this a lot. I don't know if we mentioned that we're talking about the butterfly effect and we're 10 minutes into this, but just in case we didn't, we're talking about the butterfly effect. 2004 timeline memory flick starring Ashton Kutcher. 33% Rotten Tomatoes, 81% audience. An opening box of $17.1 million in January of 2004. Opened. Pretty good. You guessed it. Number one. Number one. Other box office notables. Along came Polly. That's all I wrote. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, wrote, I also wrote B- Big Fish and Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King was also yeah. out of time. Well, well, this is January, and I feel like January is either like bad movies that are coming out that they know are going to be bad movies or just Oscar leftovers. And I feel like every other movie on this list was a like an Oscar leftover, like yeah, Lord much. of the Rings and Big Fish and all those movies. Like they were, you know, that's what people, when, when we saw movies in theaters, which I don't know, I don't know if I can know when that's yeah. going to happen again. That was what you went and saw in January. You just saw like whatever it was in prep for the Oscars. That's it. That's it. The, the last two facts here, a budget of 13 million. This movie did big business for whoever produced it. A budget of 13 million did 50, Kutcher. almost 58. Really? Kutcher was the AP. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Almost $58 million domestically. 
just short of $100 million worldwide. So they made some fucking coin on this oh, yeah. one. This is a massive W for Ashton Kutcher. Huge. Like, I have, I have, I mean, we'll get to some of the stuff later on that I have issues with with him, but this was huge for him. And, and it, it, it paid off. Like, his, his, I'm going to break away from that 70s show and punked and that whole, like, you know, fratty kind of. And dude, my car and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And start doing some serious, or just to be taken seriously. And I think that he absolutely succeeded. Um, his acting, uh, we can talk about that later. I'm not really sold on him as an actor still, um, but that's just that's just my taste. I was just trying to look up the, like the last thing I remember seeing him in, and it's it's really I mean I, I guess Two and a Half Men. Like I don't, I don't watch The Ranch, so there's that. But like I didn't watch his Steve Jobs. I'm a big Fast Bender Steve Jobs movie guy instead. Yeah. Um, so oh, yeah, I forgot I, that he did. Oh, I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah. So yeah, I really haven't seen him in a whole lot since. You know what it is. What happens in Vegas. Which is awesome. Oh, yeah. When Carrie did the Truman show, I saw an actor I, I saw him completely separate from everything that he had done before that. You know, like I, I and, and I didn't see Carrie holding back. Jim Carrey goes for it in that movie in a completely different way. Kutcher just feels like he's stifling everything about himself that made him charming and fun to watch. He just kind of does like this, like press slip, like mumble core kind of like, I'm just going to say my lines in like a really soft and subdued way. and People are going to take me seriously, you know? Um, and, and he had a couple of moments where he like melts down, like especially mm-hmm. towards the end where I saw glimmers of Kelso start to yeah, come out. Definitely. Like big time when he's screaming about his journals. Yes. That whole thing. Like, and I kind of, I kind of laughed. Like I was like, all right, well, so I don't know. Like I'm not, I think, career wise he he set out what he meant to accomplish um but as an actor like there i think there's a reason why you didn't see him become like an a-lister in terms of dramatic acting after this i just don't i don't think he's that i don't think he's that good of an actor and he's really not very good in this no so it's funny because you say stuff like that it feels like it's not a movie you like but yet it is i can't explain it pretty interesting um yeah jamie turned to me at the end of this and was like so you really like you've seen this movie a lot and was like confused by it. I'm like, yeah, I've seen this movie like a dozen times. And she's like, hmm, okay, feels weird for you, but whatever. I think you're right. It's one of those things I can't really put my finger on, but it's a movie that uh, that I ride for. Well, okay, so I, I could probably pinpoint something about it. So, comes out January 2004. You and I were born in 1984. We're it's right before we the year we turned 20. We can't go to bars, but we can drive. It, we're kind of in that like limbo of college, but still not really able to party full on, you know, um, comes out in the dead of winter. I think this was like, this was definitely a date movie for me. It was. And I, I don't know. Like, I feel like everybody was kind of anticipating like Ashton Kutcher because punked was so big at that point. Um, everybody our age, like, and we grew up on Kutcher in the 70s show, you know, or that mm-hmm. 70s show. So I think it was just like, I don't know. Like I distinctly remember like reading bad reviews, still going to see it anyway. And everybody I knew was like, have you seen the butterfly effect? It was fucking awesome. Yeah, it did. It did hit. I mean, I remember it was certainly a movie that got talked about a lot in our, you know, in our age range back then. So yeah, I guess, I I guess that's, that's the start of it. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's just always been a movie that I've, I've, you know, stuck with when I catch her flipping around and I, and I'm, you know it's 
I have a hard time explaining it. I'm, I'm really me too. I'm a little, a little flummoxed here, but maybe we can, as we, uh, <laughs> maybe as we talk about some moments here, uh, we can, uh, we can parse this out. We, we could. Can I just give you a cameo? I know this movie isn't chock full of cameos, and I know you don't watch this show, but guys, Kimi from Lost plays Carlos, the Hispanic cellmate who's this guy is not a hispanic actor like if you see he's like french canadian like he's he's oh really oh my god you see him on lost and he's like a marine like just like so not what he looks like in this movie it was like borderline offensive to me to see it now oh goodness dude kimi is not fucking like um but that was very funny to me if you watch lost that the the guy spoiler alert who kills ben linus's daughter um is is plays a fucking i don't know a, a a prison gang person and he's supposed to be hispanic he's just not so so there's that that's that's my cameo i feel like you're always good with the cameos i feel like i'm happy i got to contribute yeah yeah i'm very I, proud of myself right i like now. it question before we jump into categories what do you think yes. about a movie where we don't see the star until 25 minutes and 30 seconds into the movie well, we we have like a cold open teaser where we see him. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, yeah, but yeah. I know what you mean. And then we move away from it. I I think to be honest with you, I think that the first twenty five minutes are the strongest is the strongest part of the movie. I mean, it's good. Um, it's really good setup. It's stuff that we need yeah. for the rest of the movie. Um, especially given like the timeline jumping around, like it establishes those as the moments. They're really clear on how fucked up they are and what like they do to these people's lives so it's yeah it's it's a strong setup for the for the rest of the rest of the flick yeah i agree and i can't really think of another movie that does that where we don't see yeah we don't see the lead until we're almost done with the first act Mm -hmm. it's almost it's almost a quarter of the movie i mean i'm i'm fine with it i'm fine with it here because i think that it it sets up a lot and it's really fucking sad it's a it's a super sad movie um it's really it's a really affecting movie all right shall we category can i can i give you one more fun little fact yeah i like fun facts so this is imdb trivia as we know on this podcast it is written in ink sure is um when evan is placing the phone call to the state he dials 555-5785 which is frank rizzo's phone number on the jerky no shit (laughs) (laughs) well i think it's i think it's the one where yeah i think it's when he says this is my phone number or something like that that's that's the phone number he uses that's really good (laughs) yeah that's fantastic i thought you'd appreciate that i do i sure do Um, all right so what makes you cringe melora walters her acting across the board i think is brutal yeah she's not particularly good in this yeah but when you watch her like i said if you watch her in in magnolia she's just on another level like she's so good in that movie and i and i wondered like whatever happened to her and then i i didn't i don't remember ever seeing her in a movie between these magnolia and this and then after this and she can't she can't get dialogue out of her like yeah, no. every every like expository thing like there was one moment at, din- at the dinner scene where she says something i forgot exactly what it was he was like oh something your father did he was your age now that i think of it like she doesn't take like a beat it's just like a, a mono no. like through line of she's like your age actually almost exactly the age you are now yeah. <laughs> that's a better impression <laughs> that's good chris that's good thanks um yeah, I think she stinks. I think she's really bad in this. And I think that she's just 
totally miscast age-wise. I just don't know what they were thinking with her. I think, like I said, like I know she has chops. I've seen it, but in this movie, it's just put a stamp on me. it, mail it in. Yeah, the basement scene was really hard to watch. I forgot. Always, about. Oh, I forgot. Always. I mean, I mean, really, all all those scenes, like all the setup scenes, like these these main like inflection points in in these people's lives and Evan's life in particular, they're all really like mentally harmful, like. Yeah pedophilia with your own kids killing of a dog uh, it's th- i mean those those are the two that really fuck me up i mean just i watched it with my dog and i had to tell him look away you mean you mean the exploding a baby and her mom that one too yeah <laughs> that's a terrible legs. one yeah that's, an, that's awful yeah no it is a uh, it is a mount rushmore of fucked up things in childhood i mean there's really there's nothing i mean what else what else we got like they all, they all have, they all happen to these, you know, these four kids. Yeah. But it's all, I mean, really, it, it, sure. it's, it's definitely the kitchen sink. I think you put any one of these catalyst setup things and, 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 and have that thing be the thing they jump back to any single one of them would have, would have sufficed, I think. Oh, and visiting your dad at the mental hospital to watch him get his skull cracked in and murdered in front of you. That's true. That's true. Although but that that security guard, one fell swoop, fucking knocks that guy out, kills him. He's probably a baseball player in high school. <laughs> I actually thought about that. Did that? Did the um? Did did that guard get suspended without pay for a couple of weeks? <laughs> I wonder yeah. what his punishment was. <laughs> Tough. Oh man. Yeah. I. I. It was just really. It was really hard for me to watch, and I. And I. The second it happened. Two things that I forgot. I forgot about the dog too, and Hannah was uh, making a making a banana bread in the uh, in the kitchen while we were watching this, and she would pop in and out, and we would both kind of at the same time go, "Oh, I forgot about this." Oh fuck! And then mm-hmm. when they were when the dog scene was about to happen again, I forgot about it. She she's like, "I I can't watch this. I have to leave the room." And I forgot what it was, and I got mad at her. I'm like, "You dirty spoiler!" Oh. Yeah, because that's Did how I mean- get. Jamie almost left. She she heard like the dog Crockett whimpering in the bag, and was like, "Oh fuck no no!" And like yeah, I got bad news here. Yeah, it's it's it gets worse here. Yeah yeah, everything that you think bad could happen in this movie absolutely does, which is what I respect about it on some level. Yeah. Like I don't huh? I don't want to see a dog get burned, but at least they have the balls to go. Okay, we're gonna set this up. It's gonna fucking happen. You guys are gonna have to deal with it. It's gonna deliver in some fucked up way. Yeah. Young Tommy in the movie theater. I have the written down too. And I, I thought of you, given how much you talk about your bad movie theater experiences. <laughs> I feel like half the movies you've seen had this fucking kid sitting behind you. Yep. Just like making cr- crude jokes and just yelling and like throwing popcorn and calling people gay slurs there in the movie, and, which is definitely <laughs> possible to likely on Staten Island. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. But since when do movie theaters have fucking Madison Square Garden security? Did you see oh, yeah. those two guys That's that it. dragged That's them it, out? buddy. You're out of here. <laughs> so if I – did you note the, the two movies? I mean, they were in one of the movies. But did you note the other movie that was out at the time when they show the marquee at the movie theater? I saw Seven and Dumb and Dumber. Uh-huh. Consistency issue. You know, I was gonna, you know I was going to look it up. Dumb and Dumber released December 6th, 1994. Seven released September twenty second, nineteen ninety five. Boo! Dumb and Dumber didn't have nine month legs. It's a great movie. It's one of the greatest comedies of our lifetime, but wasn't a movie for nine months. That's fair. 
That's so. fair. I get why they had seven in there because seven is just another know, just dark, fucked up movie. Well, yeah, but it matches the tone of this movie. I, I feel yeah. like they, any other comedy that came out in 1995, they probably could have probably could have Batman Forever on there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that, that whole th- like that whole thing in the movie theater and stuff, and and seeing Tommy be violent for the first time uh, was really was, like a quick trigger, like yeah, zero to a hundred, and then just very, very, very violent. Yeah, yeah. Although the kid shouldn't have tripped him. I don't think no, it's appropriate but to it take was, a fucking metal rod to his face, but <laughs> but it was it was a great line. He's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" He's like, "Get popcorn. What's your problem, loser?" <laughs> Trips the kid. <laughs> uh, so yeah, fast forward a little bit. So I found it weird that he he's at the bar with this girl. He comes home for a drunk hookup. She wants him to read his journal to her. He has a seizure passes out wakes up and she is completely unaffected by this oh she's cool as a cucumber man she's like yeah. oh man yeah you, you had a bad dream and then like busses balls like oh do you pass out on all your dates pal like yeah. whoa. <laughs> she's had to have seen some shit on some dates that like that happens and she's like all right cool uh you wanna you know you wanna get a beer <laughs> yeah that was a little uh th- that was a little woof for me yeah uh, what else you got for cringeworthy? I, I just really, uh, as bad as you feel for Kaylee and to, uh, for Evan to some extent, uh, Lenny in this movie really, uh, most of the iterations of like what happens for him is just fucking terrible. Like there's no real good scenes for Lenny until like he gets 10 minutes where he gets to uh, have sex with Amy Smart on camera. And, uh, <laughs> and that's about it. Like his character's arc is really, it's really sad. I have this in redeeming, um, not to step on that, but I think I think Lenny's the best character in the movie. Okay, that's that's fair, uh, and because I also absolutely love that actor. Like I love Eldon Henson Fulton. I think he's I think he's tremendous. Well, we could we could save it for later on, but I think he's fantastic. And I and I do like I really feel, I really feel for Lenny. Like what a raw deal this fucking kid. Yeah, had. And everything just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Like in particular for him, yeah. Other than that, uh, except for the part where they kill uh, Evan's dad, where's the security in the psych ward? Like he has two major, oh my secu- God. two major security breaches during during the film. One where he goes to visit Lenny when when Lenny's there, and uh, the other one when he's just like trying to get the whole movies out at the end when when shit's really going sideways. It's like where are these people? Like finally, after he like breaks into like the main guy's office and is watched like gets the old reel-to-reel set up and he's blasting it on this, the screen. They're like, oh, he's, he's not in his room. Seal the grounds. <laughs> well, there's Ooh. that too. You, first of all, you just moved your microphone and it sounded like you farted. Oh, I'm going to vouch for you that you didn't fart. Um, I saw your reaction and I definitely thought. I, I definitely <laughs> saw that you thought I farted for a second on your face. Did I like turn from my notes and like bug-eyed like what? <laughs> you, were just, you were just giggling as if I had farted. So it's, it's the reaction I expect from you. But also another security breach, like when he, he kind of lackadaisically like wheels himself into the room and he's like, ah, cat scan. Uh, he's like, he's like rattling off like the stats of his fucking seizure. He just like steals a, a key card and fresh out of this new reality that he doesn't really know anything about. He knows exactly how to get through the psych ward to, to Lenny. Lenny's room yeah. 
which is ridiculous to me. As if he has a map of this place like implanted, implanted in his brain. Yeah, sure. yeah. I mean, just, security is tight in this place. If you lunge at someone, you get bludgeoned in the head and fucking killed. <laughs> so they've already established that it's a tough cookie. They got to catch it first. <laughs> uh, <laughs> when, when, uh, when Evan puts the, uh, the note, I will come back for you into the grave. Yeah. Way to drop a broken promise into into this right. poor fucking girl, and and you really are the reason why she killed herself. The, pretty much the sole reason, yeah. Like really, yeah. I said I would do this, and I didn't, and now you killed yeah. yourself after I came back to talk to you for the first time in fifteen years. Sorry. Salt in the wound. Salt in the wound. <laughs> are you ready to get into the prison stuff? Sure. <laughs> so the uh, his first day. Uh, can you protect me? so mean and then and then like the next day they have like a fucking continental like pancake breakfast yeah they got stacks of fucking pancakes they got these giant muffins they got like muffins uh, like 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 muffins the size of fucking basketballs and and just i i just i just found that very funny i'm like wow that's a nice prison but also um yeah uh when he when he goes into the room and he's like he he goes to make the deal with the two like aryan guys mm-hmm. and he he drops like he drops the n-word he you know he, he's saying like all these things to kind of make himself he sound says three like, three different racial or religious slurs in like 30 seconds yeah and then it's like can i suck your dick that is where i felt like ashton kutcher was at his absolute worst as an it, actor it, it is he's he he seemed uncomfortable. The words all just seemed bad coming out of his mouth. Like, and maybe it's just, uh, it's a good thing that my impression of him is that like, you wouldn't say these words. It's terrible. It's, it just seems bad coming out of his mouth. Yeah, and, it really did. And, and really, yeah. One of the most lackluster blowjob offers I've ever seen on film. <laughs> should I, should I suck your dick now? Hmm? Should I just suck your dick? Is that how you get into the, the Aryan nation? Yeah, blow your way in. Yeah. Is that, is that, is that, I'm, I'm actually being serious. I've, is that, uh, okay. Of uh, things that I haven't done. Uh, been to prison, <laughs> <laughs> blown someone, or, or attempted to ingratiate myself to any member of the Aryan Nation or modern day Nazi party. Uh, so uh, I can't really vouch for any of that shit. <laughs> okay. Well, noted. Uh, can't help you, pal. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so, you got what, what else do you have for cringeworthy? You got anything else? That's uh, no. I think we covered most of it. I have just one. In, speaking of Staten Island movie experiences, so I have a very, I have a visceral memory of when the reveal happens of his limbs. He's like laying in bed, and we do that pullback, and we we see that his arms have been blown off. And he's screaming, what the fuck? What the fuck? In the stat- packed Staten Island movie theater, 10 o'clock at night on a Friday night, that theater exploded with laughter. I believe that. During that scene. Yep. <laughs> I, I mean, it's not funny to see somebody, obviously, <laughs> see somebody with their limbs no. blown off. But something about Kutcher in that moment, screaming yeah. like Kelso. <laughs> I could I could see it. I didn't I actually remember not laughing. I remember like still being so into the movie 
that I didn't, I did not laugh. I did not, um, I did not partake, but I do remember the theater like exploding with laughter. Completely unsurprising for our, our hometown. Yeah. What, what was your, mu- like, what was your movie experience like for this? I remember it's probably just a run of the mill, like whatever Friday, Saturday night, like I saw it with my girlfriend at the time. Um, I don't remember anything, you know, outlandish from it. I remember more about seeing big fish probably like the week or two after that than I do this, but yeah, I don't know. Nothing, nothing of note. <laughs> I do remember like, a lot more about movie theater experience. I really do. I do. I don't um, know what that is. It's yeah. just part of my anxiety. I think, I don't know. It certainly could be. Yeah. I got a, Two more, two more cringeworthies. Uh, the way Ashton Kutcher runs down the hall at the end. Oh, with the music too is awesome. With the bu- it's very much like a Bugs Bunny kind of like. Yeah. He's sneaking around, but he's also uh-huh. sprinting. <laughs> it's. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I'm glad we may you're... we may have to release the, the clip of me just mimicking that on on Instagram or something because it's some of my best work. I feel like. No, um, it, it's it's excellent. It's tremendous. I'm trying to think of like, you know, like it is. It's one of cartoon characters trying to walk quietly, but kind of does this like dinosaur, you know, dun, 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 dun. 100%. But it is Ashton Kutcher in a full fucking 20 mile an hour sprint down a sprint, hallway. But crouched down and like high knees <laughs> and just a, whole, a very cartoonish sprint. Yeah. And, and, and so this thing, this next thing for cringeworthy it's more of like a a massive oversight and I think carelessness in the writing. So these two small children had the option to choose parents and the the mother's situation is like fucking perfect suburban, whatever. Mm-hmm. And the dad is this alcoholic who lives in this dark little house. And I don't know, like I, that, that whole thing didn't alcoholic kid toucher. Oh no, he's also a pedophile. Yes, I didn't. I'm sorry. I don't think that he. I don't think that he advertises that though. Besides putting it on film, right? I'm I'm into the community, but what I'm saying I, is like in court. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I mean, that the, that flies. Yeah, no, definitely not. And I, I, it's the way Kaylee explains it is that her mom got a new family and just didn't want them anymore. Like, ugh, that's yeah. that'll fuck you up good. That sucks. Your mom don't want you, and your mom, your dad wants it too much. Ugh. Yeah, it, it's rough. A lot of rough themes in this movie. All right, that's all I got for cringeworthy. You want to talk about happy stuff? Yeah, let's let's have some moments that re- <laughs> re- redeem this motion picture in our, in our eyes. Yeah, go for it. The clothing in it is like so spot on to like our time, like growing up, like the nineteen nineties, like skater stuff, and like yeah. the long hair on the kids, like that. That's very time appropriate and then when he goes to college and has like the bright yellow tommy hilfiger jacket to go with like his frat boy shit like i just thought the wardrobe choices for his character in particular were like very good for that that time because made you know 10 years after that time frame but like man does it hit those those notes really really well it's it's terrific and um even like the (laughs) <laughs> like the choker chain with like the t-shirt with like the yep. thermal underneath i that's how i dressed when i was when i was in college i wear um, long, sli- long sleeve shirts under short sleeve shirts under long sleeve shirts <laughs> <laughs> no yeah i i definitely agree also great cold open and the title card with like the skull x-ray mm-hmm. thought that that was just an excellent opening slash 
opening credit thing. I thought that was really, really cool. Agreed. Um, all the shock cuts and jump cuts are pretty great. Like the one of him in the kitchen with the knife yeah. is, is really, really good. There's a, there's a few scattered across the movie that are, that are really effective. I can still remember like jumping in the movie theater a few mm-hmm. times, which is cool, which I, I always love that shit. I, I think, and I, and I wrote this down, but that I think what I, what I wound up liking most about this movie and, and the more I think about it, I think that's what I couldn't explain before is just like, how much Evan loves Kaylee. Yeah. Like that being like the driving point of this, of his character. Like, I don't know. It just hits home for me. Like he's just someone who would do anything for her. And no matter how bad it keeps getting for him, like he's just happy to like get it to the point where if, if she wins, if she comes out, okay. Like he's cool with whatever the circumstances are for him. As long as she's fine, I guess, except that the circumstances him without arms and her fucking his best friend. But other than that, he's cool. <laughs> yeah, he got out of that real quick. He was like, yeah, he's like eject, eject. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I had another. I missed the thing on Cringeworthy that I think is really, really, really bad. Um, when he tries to kill himself in the bathtub. Mm, yes, this, I, I'm, this, I, I'm this, an this advocate. Qualifies. I'm an advocate for suicide awareness. I've talked openly about this. Um, not how you handle a suicidal person coming up to them after pulling them out after they tried to drown themselves and saying, and I quote, hey, you forgot the toaster on the ledge. Yeah. Real good icebreaker there, Tommy. Yeah, the Jesus Tommy, too. This is like yeah. the best version of Tommy and does the worst fucking thing. All Tommies stink in this movie. Uh, it's either homicidal maniac, sociopath, or born-again Jesus freak. Yeah. Yuck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, back to redeemable moments. Yeah, why not? The casting of the kids. I, I think that yeah. all of these kids are consistently, they look like they could be the same child across different stages. I thought the mm-hmm. casting in this movie was was terrific. So I, I agree, the casting on the kids, ter- terrific. Uh, one thing that jumped out at me, do, do, did you recognize who the youngest Tommy is? The one who's like twisting the head off the doll during the uh, creepy kid touching scene? No. He's the son of uh, Aaron Eckhart in Thank You for Smoking. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. That, I, I love that movie. Yeah, I watched it like two weeks ago. Love it. Okay. Nice, nice. I actually thought that um, the kid who played teen, like 13-year-old Lenny, for a moment, I thought he, he looks like the kid from It. Have you seen it? Have you seen mm-hmm. the new version of it? I am too big of a scaredy cat to see the movie yet. <laughs> well, it took me a minute because, you know, the movie came out 15 years ago. And I'm like, that can't possibly be the same kid. But <laughs> he, looks like, he looks like the kid from, uh, yeah. from, it, uh, from it. Yeah, again, like the first 25 minutes are just really, really effective emotionally. Like, I think that they really do set the table for the ride that it is going to be. And I and I think I think a lot of it. I think why I love this movie so much it is that it is about childhood trauma, and like the things that happen can happen anywhere because they, they really are. I mean, for lack of a better term, a butterfly effect. You have these abused children, and mm-hmm. then the, the the abused child acts out and does something absolutely destructive. The wronged kid takes the brunt of it, 
and all fucking hell breaks loose. Like the these, it's it was very real to me. It really was. Like I I felt for these fucking kids. Yeah, the ripple effects you of know? those actions through throughout each other's lives. It's yeah, it's a very real and very yeah uh, relatable situation. Yeah, and it, it really is like about like the remnants of childhood abuse, and and I I just I found that to be really really effective. Um, I did too. And I and to be honest, like. You know, you can look at any time travel movie and find holes in the like, but if this changed, why didn't all these things change? And it's like, really, if, if you're going to nitpick everything, then Back to the Future couldn't have been that bow tied at the end. You know what I'm I mean? Not, like, I'm not going to sit here and listen to even suggested blaspheme about Back to the Future. Oh, no, 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 I'm not. I'm not. But what I'm saying is that there needs to be in time travel movies, there needs to be a little bit of slack. And mm-hmm. like, yeah, it can't be perfect. Like, it can't be perfect. Yeah. Yeah, it it can't, you know, spit in our face, but it's not it's never going to be perfect. Yeah. No, no, absolutely not. I do find it ironic that uh Eric Stoltz is in this time travel movie because yeah. you know, one of the all-time what ifs in 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 just movie history is it what if they kept going with Eric Stoltz as Marty McFly and they did not. And I think Eric Stoltz is a fine actor. I think he's a great actor and I think he he's had a really good career. But just seeing him in this time travel movie, I'm like, oh, man, he must have. It's funny. An itch, an itch he must have needed to scratch at some point, you know? I suppose so. The, the scene where, where young Evan calls him a fuckbag. It's that whole, Yeah. That whole monologue, that whole moment is tri- tremendous. It is, it is great. Great scene by, by that, that young actor. Um, I love the use of fuckbag multiple times throughout the movie and how they even, like, call it out. He's like... Yeah, that word really seems to get your attention every time. I'm like, man, what a good, like we talked about insults last week and week before. Like sometimes the G-rated insult really like hits home and is effective. And sometimes the really just punch you in the face vulgar <laughs> insult is the one. And calling a guy who is for sure a fuckbag, a fuckbag to his face, really did it. Really did the trick. I thought that was, uh, yeah, I thought it was terrific. And I haven't heard fuckbag much before or after this. And I think I want to bring it back. Sure, you fuckbag. Yeah, fuckbag. <laughs> <laughs> it's well, fun cer- to say. We certainly earned the explicit tag for this week. Oh, fuckbag. All right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> what else you got? That is it. Uh, good. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I list, I just tend to list more little things because I get a little... I get a little neurotic when I watch these movies, but do you do you remember the song that was playing when they're they're having dinner at the fraternity house? Let angels lead yeah. you in. Hannah turned to me and she was like, "This could not be more of a two thousands movie with this song in that mm-hmm. moment." Yeah, I think that's a gorgeous song. It, that took me back <laughs> big time. Oh yeah, um, find a fine choice for a date night song. Yeah, so here's another thing, too, about time travel movies that I think that gets overlooked, and it was such a minor detail in this. Right before uh, Tommy attacks them at the college with the, with the pipe, mm-hmm. Amy Smart just says, like, very simply, she's like, you've been acting weird lately. Your accent changed and you're walking differently. And I always found that funny, like, in, in other time travel movies. I'm like, yeah, if, if stuff gets, like, changed dating back like 20 years i think that your posture and the way that you carry yourself will absolutely change along with it definitely yeah and i just thought that that, like i'd never heard that called out in a time travel movie before and i thought that that was a really neat little nugget you know 
Very perceptive, Amy Smart. She also did notice that he fucks differently, but that didn't bother <laughs> her so much because she had multiple orgasms. And her toes went numb. Right out. So the alternate ending of this movie, I shit you not. It's on YouTube. You can watch it. Ashton Kutcher goes back in time into his mother's womb and chokes himself with his umbilical cord. I'm not making that up. That is the alternate ending of this film. I watched it too. He's, he's right. It actually happened. The ending of this movie, as is, I think is very good. Yeah, How do you I feel? Agree. No, yeah. I, I, I agree. It's, it's, I actually kind of forgot for, for a while that, that how he got out of it, uh, you know, going back and just basically telling her to piss off when they're yeah. kids and basically like kicking her out of town. The part I'm confused about there is that, like, so then she goes to live with the mom. Like, that's all it took for, like, the mom to actually, like, want the kids. Like, a boy was mean to me at a birthday party, and now she's yeah. like, oh, cool, now you can come live with me. Like, the dad was an alcoholic kid fucker. And, like, that didn't get him out of town. Like, a boy was mean to me once. Right. Yeah, yeah it, it's kind of glazed over, and I think that's a little bit lazy. Like, it gets glazed over in the in the reality where he has he's uh, quadriplegic, and he, she says to him, you're the only reason why I stayed. And, I, and then a part of me was like, well, because you felt bad because he got blown up in front of you. Right. And you're taking care of him and there's this guilt. But then like in that other, re any other reality that that should change. Right. Like, mm -hmm. but yeah, I, I, I agree that that didn't really land for me. Um, and also like, that's gotta be a little traumatizing too. I know it's not as bad as like, you know, being filmed naked when you're a child, but like, uh, you know, some kid coming up to you at a birthday party is like, I'll murder your whole fucking family. If you yeah. come near me. That's got to sting for a child a little bit. I got abused when I was a kid, but I didn't like. I got like beat up and bullied and stuff. But like, I, nobody ever like came up to me and threatened to murder me. Nope, or my whole family. No, never, never, never got that bad. Good for us. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's really all I have for redeeming moments. I mean, it's funny. I think we're like seventy percent shitting on this movie, but I still feel. Like, I really love it. I don't know. I, don't know I, I do, too. Um, part of why I don't have a lot of redeeming moments, I think, is that, uh, like I said, uh, I use this section for quotes a lot. It's not a very quotable movie. It's not something to really, like, throw around. And, like, because maybe it's because it's not a happy movie. It's not something you'd be like, oh, remember that time he had his arms blown off? Like, it's not, you know, yeah. something to throw around conversationally with, uh, with friends and family. But, yeah, no, I'm still with it. Yeah. I can get on board with it. Like I, I'm just still here for it. However, however that that looks. A couple of casting things. Ooh, have you seen any of these? I have. No. So I don't know if you want to do questions for Mangan. Uh, sure. Okay. So question for Mangan. So we're talking casting stuff. Do you know who was offered the role of Kaylee first? Hmm. Mid 2000s. I'm going to bring you back to another Amy Smart movie where these two had a very similar connection. Uh, Anna Ferris? No, close. Yeah. Allie Larder. Ooh. Who was in Final Destination 1? Yeah. With Actually, Cream a bunch bikini. of them. I think a few of them. She, I think she gets killed off in the second or the third one. Yeah. Spoiler alert. 
Uh, but yeah, it was offered to Allie Larder. She said no. Uh. Andy Smart took it. So kind of like the rivalry continued there for a moment with those yeah. two. Fighting over um, mocks. Yeah. So question for Mangan. So three actors were offered this role before Kutcher, Kutcher came in and like executive produced it and took over. Um, Josh Hartnett, Sean William Scott, and Joshua Jackson. Hmm. Who of those three would you cast? Or any actor at any point in their up and comings? It could be whatever. That's, it could be that's, any too, that's too broad for me. Let's just stick with the choices. Okay. Um, Joshua Jackson. I, that was mine too. I think Josh Hartnett is probably a close second. He, uh, except for lucky number 11, that guy does nothing for me. Really? Yeah. I always liked him. I like him a lot. Lucky number 11. Other than that. Meh. I've never seen it. Oh, really? Yeah. The chef recommends. Yeah. I think Joshua Jackson would have been really, really good in this. And I think it would have elevated him too. Because maybe, maybe because I've seen like he's been in a lot of stuff recently and like I think he's really good as like now like an adult actor. I like his work a lot. That yeah, maybe that's maybe that's why I lean towards him. Sean William Scott, even more like cartoonish and frat boyish than Kutcher is. Like I just can't see him pulling this off. No, he, he hasn't done well in uh in dramatic roles. He 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 he's done a couple and they're not ever really that good so if josh hartnick excuse me if if joshua jackson gets cast in this we have a reunited mighty duck situation with him yeah. and fulton reed yeah but you know what else joshua jackson was up for that year no batman yeah he was in the running he was like it, he was one of the finalists for bruce wayne slash batman and batman begins wow a lot of that's, what is for Joshua Jackson. And I think that he's had a fine career. But, he sure has. Yeah. But wow, that's a big one. Yep. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Talk about a butterfly effect. Like, what if he gets this and he gets Batman the next year? Yeah, that would. Does he get Batman if he does this? I don't see why not. I think if he does that and, and, and it's a hit, I think that the studio is more inclined to cast him. Yeah. I just found that interesting. I just think that that I, I really love Joshua Jackson. Definitely interesting. Yeah, probably the best part of the affair, in my opinion. He's that's that's when I talk about his recent roles. Like that's what I think of. He's tremendous in that show. Yeah, tremendous. He really is. Not a tremendous ending. No. <laughs> Not a tremendous final season. Pizza hands. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. All right, you fuckbag. Let's keep going. Could this movie exist in the year 2020? In the year 2020. <laughs> I don't see why not. Same. Uh, I'd also uh, almost entertain a remake of this movie in like another five or ten years. Yeah, I don't think it's that, that you know. I like an updated uh, version. Like, try, try and see something new, like a new, a new angle maybe. I don't know. You know there are two sequels, right? No. That's what Amazon said. I was looking at like Butterfly Effect 2. Do you want to watch that? I'm like, not right now, but... <laughs> not, not really ever. <laughs> now there's three of them. Interesting. Who are yeah. the leads? I did not check, but I'm going to go ahead and say that it is in, well, <laughs> in 2004 or 2005 language, uh, direct-to-video. Oh, for sure. Uh, Butterfly Effect 2. 
the lead is Eric Lively. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there's any relation to Blake, but yep, his sister's Blake Lively. Oh shit! Never, never heard of him as really an actor ever. All right, is there a so, third one, or am I making that up? Uh, I'm gonna tell you in one second. Yes, Revel the Butterfly Effect Three Revelations. Ooh, cool! And this, this stars a gentleman named Chris Carmack, who and did two years on the OC. I don't know. Been on Grey's okay. Anatomy for forty episodes. That's yeah, he might have had a decent, decent career. That's good. I take that. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I don't see why not. I really don't. No Razzie nominees. None to speak of. Uh, no Oscar nominees. Stunning. <laughs> MVP. Nominees. I have three. And I have a strong number one. Like I, I have a pretty firm number one, but I want to hear your I think take. You, I think you tipped your hand earlier on who your number I one did. is. I did. And, but I have more reasons why that I didn't talk about yet. But so. I'll give you my three nominees are Eldon Henson as older Lenny. I have all the kid actors I think are fantastic in this. And honestly, number three, I think Amy Smart is really good in this too. I do too. I, I just love her. Like, I don't know what it is. She's one of those actors, actresses who really just I'm smitten with Amy Smart. Let's put it that I'm way. I'm all smitten too. Because, well, like I mentioned it before. She was 18 years old. She was basically the love interest in just about every fucking formidable movie of our whatever our 17 through 25 yep and also she's in crank and crank too <laughs> yes she is yeah i think also i think th- that scene in road trip i think is like the you know the stuff of uh <laughs> i don't know it is so us, um us being lo- little horny toads back in the day yeah maybe maybe something to do with that <laughs> um all right, so let's hear your case for Lenny. You know, you've got a, you've got to cut out for him here. Well, I just think that he's a fantastic actor, and also, so he fluctuated weight, it like for real, like in between when he was shooting these scenes, he like went up and down like twenty pounds for his scenes when he's in the mental hospital mm-hmm. and he's heavier, and and maybe and also the scenes like where he's like in the airplanes in his bedroom with Ashton Kutcher in the beginning. And then his scenes later on where he's like put together and not all fucked up. He's like visibly slimmer. And I just, that, that kind of dedication is I think really, really cool. I appreciate that. And um, I don't know. I just found Lenny to be the most compelling character and the, the most heartbreaking character. And I just feel like he was, he had the most to do, I think, Amy Smart too. Like he had the most to do in giving you a bunch of different versions of this, this character. And I feel like he yes. took it the most seriously. So he's my MVP. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a strong case. As I said earlier, like just, yeah, what, what happens to him in this movie is it's heartbreaking. And he, yeah, as, as the older version of Lenny, he really does, really does a strong job with it. I have no, I have no qualms with the, uh, with the choice. Did you have any other nominees? No, it's 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 it was him and Amy Smart for me. Probably the kids are a really good uh, additional selection by you. Like we we covered it already, but I I think that the casting and the and the acting uh, of the different levels of these kids growing up is is really well done. It's a really nice part of the movie. Yeah, I agree. And this is you know, I don't think we saw this a lot 
after Stand By Me, like these like R-rated exchanges. I was just thinking kids. about Stand By Me too, like about that. Yeah. I, like I just feel like them being in like the woods and stuff just like made me think of it. But yeah. um I, I feel like it's had a resurgence now with like Stranger Things and and the It movies and stuff. Like I, I feel like this was kind of rare in that time period of like you have these kids who are in very real world dangerous situations uh-huh. talking like adults and doing like you know um having these like really risky storylines and stuff like, heavy I stuff yeah yeah i don't feel like that happened a lot um in this time period uh, i might be mistaken but it's not something that sticks out for me no no maybe like maybe like the larry clark movies like kids and bully and stuff like that mm-hmm. um but but yeah, yeah, in a mainstream movie, I, I don't feel like we saw it a lot. No, mid nineties has some really good kids. Oh yeah, I fucking love that movie. Yeah, as far as like recent ones go, that was a that was a hit. Yeah, for me, that was definitely a hit. That had one of the one of the one of the strongest, I think, visceral things that reactions in a film that I've I've had in a while, where the older brother gets bullied by the kid right in front of his little oh. brother. Holy oh, that, fuck. That hurt. It hurt. That hurt so bad. Anyway, not to digress. See mid-90s, the Jonah Hill film. It's very, very good. It is. So, LVP. Tommy, Tommy, Tommy. Yeah? I don't look at any version. I mean, so LVP in the, fr- in the f- fact that like it's the character who bothers me the most. He's just such a shitbag. He's a fuckbag. But yeah. The, the the violence the not the, the wanting to keep Kaylee away from his buddy in some circles is completely acceptable if you're a friend to date or marry your sister you know it works out yeah. in some cases it's incurred <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> um so like the just like the little sociopath version of him bothers me and like just makes my stomach hurt the jesus version of him uh who will not be answering any suicide hotline phone calls in the foreseeable future no nope. um, i just yeah i don't like any real iteration of it and to really no faults of the of the actors parts but it's, I, I don't like the sound of character i can get on board with it i actually didn't list him and and truthfully i didn't think of it because i thought that as an antagonist he you worked need him. like yeah like the threat of you, you kind of needed i think you needed an overarching villain character in this movie but i I agree it's not really well put together the worst Um, version of him is the one that uh ashley kutcher kills it's the same actor as jesus one but um he's like and you had to take the only thing the only girl who doesn't think i'm a piece of shit yeah (laughs) like his accent they were just so like over the top and like i don't even know what accent it's supposed to be they live in upstate new york i think yeah they do the movie i don't i don't know what (laughs) that accent is supposed to be but it stinks (laughs) <laughs> uh, i can get on board with that i had two nominees i had melora walters as uh as the mom because i just think that she's just really bad in this and i and i had kutcher i don't think kutcher is is good i, I just don't think he's good in this movie i don't i can't really take him seriously as a dramatic actor i think i might have when i back when when i saw it uh but now i'm just not impressed yeah, no, he's not. He's not great in it. Um, but I can't. I can't LVP him, especially because uh, now that you pointed out, like he's the the EP. He kind of brought the movie to life and made it 
a, a ton of money off of it. Like in in full connection to the movie, you can't you can't ding them there. So um, yeah, I, I think the I think the mom is certainly a viable candidate here. You sold me on Tommy. All right, great. Yeah, uh, you sold me. I, I just I I could always just gripe about Melora Walters' acting some other time. All right. <laughs> a, dub, a W for Lenny and L for Tommy. Yep. Yep. Devil's advocate. Would you like to defend some critics? Um, I think I don't think it is as as bad as they say it. Like their visceral hatred for it, I feel is completely unjustified. It thinks it's smarter than it is sometimes. Mm-hmm. The dialogue can be really bad. Um, and aside from like what we talked about in cringeworthy stuff, like that's really it. I, I think that that's, that might've been what rubbed people the wrong way. And I, I don't know. I, I really can't justify the, the hatred. Yeah. There's, there's some real, I'm, I'm scrolling through them now. There's some real, some really pissed off people about this movie. <laughs> um, but one of them I found out is actually pretty, pretty fair. I think walks a super thin line between horrific believability and hilarious unbelievability. That makes sense. Yeah. It's a good, it's a really good crystallization of what this movie is. So good job there, Jeffrey Chen of Window to the Movies. <laughs> that wasn't the Huffington Post? No. <laughs> that's really all I got, to be honest with you. Yeah, that's, that's, that's fair. Let's rate it. So it's weird because I put a number down and then we talk about it and I want to go back. I'm going to, I'll tell you what I had written down when I started and I might want to backtrack a little bit. I did this last week, so I got to cut the shit. I got to stand by my guns. I have 81 written down. And I think the more we kind of talked about it, I kind of want to jump back to like a 75. So I'll split the difference and I will say 78. 77. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. The only reason why I said 81 and I said this to Hannah, I was like, I gave Mr. Deeds an 80. uh, And I feel like that there's more effort put into this movie than Mr. Deeds. I don't know. Maybe. I have a hard time comparing them that way. But yeah, it's audience score is 81. I like it as about as much as I would say that. So a little less. I consider a 75 to be a three out of four. And I think this is a three out of four. Yeah. That's fair. That's a good way to look at it. Yeah. Well, all right, cool. I'm glad we're, we're like, I think we figured it out. I think we're now we're, we're starting to really agree with each other on some things. We are, we are in a good spot right now. Yeah. I think hook tested our relationship a little bit. We got through it. I may still smack you when I see you. (laughs) So, okay. Well, Chris, it's your week next week. No uh, corrective lenses this evening. I do not require them. Can you give me another hint? I put it a dollar. I want a car. <gasps> Vegas vacation? Yep. Yes. I missed a late night screening of this at Brian Persky's house on Saturday night. I was sent to bed after a game of flip cup. So <laughs> they watched it outside by the pool. I was sent to bed because I was spilling beer on myself. So I, I now need to watch it next week. And uh, and figure out why on God's green earth it's fucking thirteen <laughs> percent. I don't. I feel like I watched it within the last like five years. I don't 
I I don't know. I might have been drunk. It might have been late. I don't know. I don't remember. But I just I just remember watching like the last like twenty minutes of it, and thinking that it was like, oh, this is like hilarious and also really dumb. But okay. I'm willing to clear headedly give it another chance, give it another ride. You You're gonna have Nick, to, pal. Yeah, you, me, and Nick Papa Giorgio will. Uh... Mr. Papa Giorgio. <laughs> uh, I'm excited. Cool. We'll jump back into comedy next week. Good stuff. I, uh, I was tempted to go sports with football opening up this week, but we've done a couple already, and I couldn't, I couldn't go back there right, just just quite yet. All right, I'm excited about that Vegas vacation next week. If you would like to advertise your business, please hit us up on Instagram at forty under forty pod, or if you want to email us at forty under forty pod at gmail.com slide into our dms let us know how we're doing like and subscribe i know we've been kind of on and off the map for the last week but i think, uh, I think we've sorted those issues out thanks again to davi for uh yeah. for being our, our creative guru here and uh steering the ship a little bit yeah thanks Don't, thanks popcorns. thanks to our in-house legal counsel thank you dobby and uh <laughs> the law firm of <laughs> Rebicki, <laughs> John Rebicki. Yeah, no. For a little advice for you, uh, future podcasters, don't don't put popcorn on your anyway, fucking album art. It's off limits. Popcorn is off limits. Don't do it. Take it. Take it from us. But okay, I'm excited for Vegas vacation next week. Very I'm good. Chris Russell. I am Chris Megan. And this is the Forty Under Forty podcast. We will see you next week. See you. Bye.